It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Dacia sales event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Call in to see how shockingly affordable a new Dacia is in the new year. You're very welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Let's get going immediately. Women with opinions coming up between two and three. Sport later on. But first today, we simply had to have him back because last year I enjoyed this company so much. What a magazine it is. I'm talking about the Phoenix, established, set up in 1983. 36 years on, it's going strong. And the man who's edited it for more years than he cares to remember is with me again, Paddy Prendeville. You're welcome back to Late Lunch. Thank you very much, Jerry. Thanks for joining me. Can I say again to you, congratulations to you and all the people involved in the magazine. And when I look at the cover of this year's annual, you know the caricatures on the front cover. Paddy... The year is there in focus. It leads you in, doesn't it? Well, that's what we try to do uh, at the end of each year. It's 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 Brexit and Brexit and Brexit, and it's general election, no general election. It's um, Maria Bailey on a swing and uh, various other Dennis O'Brien who actually lost a libel case uh, for the first time, I think, and and so on. So yeah, we 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 we, we try and uh, you know visualise that on the front cover. And then inside we write about it. Ah, you do. You do it brilliantly. And other things that jumped at me from the cover there, of course, is John Berko. Order, order. Yes. He is gone. Another John gone. Delaney. We better leave that one aside for a moment. I'm sure you've had legal people poring over that type of stuff. And, uh, of course, Mr Moonlight, Bobby Ryan, you know, uh, killed by Patrick Quirk. All, all is there in the cover. And you have done them. Who does those caricatures for you? Have you, have you the, uh, somebody that just d- deals with that? There's a particular guy who does that for us each year, um, but we have other cartoonists throughout the year in the current editions, um, uh, and the cartoons are a, a strong feature of, mm. of the mag. Uh, usually the one on page three is usually the best. Yes. Uh, uh, but there's a lot of cartoons in the magazine. There certainly is. Now, working in Phoenix and all of the years you've worked there, what does it take? What kind of a personality do you need to be? What kind of a mind as a journalist must, must you have? You, you have to look at each statement by a politician, a businessman or woman, an artist, uh, a sports person, and you have to say, you don't just read it and imbibe it. You read it and you say, now, why is he or she saying that now? Is it because of something else that somebody else has said, a, a critic, an opponent? Are they looking for a grant? Are they looking for a fix? What are they at? And you, if you keep that cynical, if you like, quizzical mentality 
all the time. Uh, because most of us, ourselves included, sometimes you just relax. You read something and you just accept it. That's what most people do. And why wouldn't they? You know, because there's still some kind of respect for authority and establishment, uh, you know, in most societies. But you've got to not think like that. You've got to always look and see what's behind that statement, what's behind that initiative. And usually there is a complicated self-serving reason for it. You just have to think like that all the time. That That's what we try to do. And I alluded to it a moment ago, obviously all you write and when you produce fortnightly, which you do, and then this annual, I take it that the legal eagles pour over everything. Every line, every word, every comma, every gap, everything that's not mentioned, that might should have been mentioned, everything is is scrutinised uh, by a very capable libel lawyer that we have. And you know something, sometimes even that's not enough. The, the, the libel laws are so draconian mm. that uh, you don't have to be in Phoenix, you can be in the Clare Champion, you can be LMFM, as I'm sure you know. Yes. You've got to be very, very careful. Absolutely. Every single day. The Gold Hawk Awards are legendary in this magazine. And you mentioned them a moment ago. Dennis O'Brien gets acknowledgement in there this year. Well, he does, and doesn't he deserve it? Um, <laughs> uh, he certainly deserves mentioning. Um, Dennis had a bad year. Mm. Uh, he lost a libel case, and uh, business isn't as good as it might be. He's, he's all over the Irish Times this morning with, uh, with, with uh, uh, Digicel, that is. That's right. Uh, and um, so, you know, we, 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 we're a little bit ironic and a bit sarcastic in these awards, I'm afraid. We tend to congratulate roguery and uh, sympathise with uh, bad news. Uh, and try to avoid schadenfreude, but sometimes it just sneaks through. (laughs) (laughs) It does. The passing parade. Can I talk about that for a moment? Because you mentioned her already on the cover. Maria Bailey is in there, John Delaney, both of whom you'd consider losers in terms of the year. Well, maybe, or maybe not, depending on your perspective. But you have Maura Higgins in there as well. And we'll remind people about Maura. Of course, Love Island, she was jetted in there. And this woman seems to suddenly have a massive new career made for herself. She's a winner. Why is she in the passing parade? Well, she manages to have um, attracted uh, a lot of um, attention, uh, scrutiny, Mm. uh, ogling, uh, whatever (laughs) words you like to use. Despite not winning, she's got all these contracts. Um, I think she has... She's involved with Anne Summers. Um... She's got a special Mora, more Mora lingerie range. Yes. Uh, so, you know, she's a winner. Oh, she know? is a winner for <laughs> sure, even though she didn't win the overall. Now, the Affairs of the Nation, a year-end report, you do this each year, how the political parties have fared in the last month, and last 12 months. And, of course, they're facing into an election year sooner or later in 2020. What do you reckon? How do you reckon? Like when you when you try to put, you look at past performance, maybe as an indication of, of future success or not at the ballot box. Who's who's leading the way? Are the government set fair for the new year? Are Fianna Fáil going to make that long-awaited comeback? The independents will they hold sway, Paddy? What? <laughs> well, what what I think, what we think, is that Michal Marson has played a blinder. Michal Marson came under heavy criticism from his own members, never mind the public, for refusing to take on Leo Varadkar, uh, call an election over this, the Gardaí, for example, housing, health, whatever. And what he's managed to do 
is implement what you'd call a strategy of almost childish simplicity, which is just wait, just wait, just wait. The shine will wear off Leo. It's a it's a mantra inside Fine Gael HQ and the Parliamentary Party, or some of them. Um, and if the government is there long enough, eventually people will get irritated, weary, and downright cross with them over the big issues. And that very brutal, brutally simple strategy appears to be working. Now, it may not lead necessarily to an election victory, although if I had to bet money... I'd be slightly edging towards Fianna Fáil coming back. But that strategy, uh, despite all the criticism, and even ourselves who were sneering at it for a long while, um, has proved to be wrong. He has proved to be correct. That process has taken place. And any time in the next six months now, uh, well, in the new year anyway, uh, there will be an election. And, uh, you know... Fianna Fáil look an awful lot better than they did two years ago. Gold star to Michal from Phoenix this year. Let's yeah. move on. I was going to talk about Norn Arn and the politics up there, but it's only bloody stagnation. Well, there's nothing to talk about. There's nothing happening. The only one, Naomi Long, and you point uh, to her and it seems to be the only star on the horizon with her win in the European election. And, you know, her, her outlook. Well, her outlook is, uh, this is intensely political stuff now, but her her outlook, you see, every now and again, uh, down the decades in the north, whether it's trade union unity, which would, you know, get over a Catholic and Protestant divide, whether it's liberalism of the Naomi Long type, every now and again rears its head and, oh, everything's going to be all right now, nobody cares about the national question anymore, nobody cares about the, what you might call the unionist ascendancy, and time and again, that has proved to be an illusion. Mm. Uh, and, you know, when it comes down to it, as long as that northern state exists in the way that it has existed, then that divide will exist. And that's the res- that's where it lies. The responsibility of that lies with that northern state and the way it's constructed. And until that's diluted or abolished, then you're going to have the same old, what's dismissed as tribal Antagonisms. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're so right about that moderate uh, outlook that comes and goes onto entertainment, which is a big part, of course, of Phoenix Remit uh, right through the year. Exposé's gone. Who? What? What were they? Who were they? And Mark Cagney, Virgin Media, wield the axe. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure what you're asking me. I'm just saying that they wield the axe because I was about to come in with the next part of the two-part. And, of course, then we talk about RT and ah, what's going Sorry. on yeah. there at the moment. Joe Brawley got the boot from sports. We know Ray Darcy is getting the heave-ho from the TV show. But interesting times, Paddy, ahead. Well, i got to say, I, I know I'm from Kerry. So I don't mind the sound us, but my family's from Kerry and I didn't like a lot of what Brawley used to say about Kerry and Colin Cooper and all that. But he is so entertaining, mm. so instructive and so articulate. I mean, you want, you know, there's a big, big debate about what's wrong with RCE, but the fact that they can get rid of somebody like Joe Brawley mm. is some indication of, of the kind of decision-making process that's going on there. Uh, Brawley was probably the best GAA broadcaster there has been for a number of years. 
You see, though, you know, at times the way you talk about politics through blue politics, but there's the politics in everything in life, be it television, radio, entertainment, your business, etc. This magazine, the Phoenix magazine, the annual 2019, it's absolutely brilliant. I recommend it to you highly. The editor as well as Paddy Prendeville. He's brought two copies of the uh, annual to give away to you this afternoon. There's a saying... A phoenix rises from what? Do you know that word I'm looking for? A phoenix rises from the... I'm looking for that word to complete the sentence. What is the word? Would you love this annual? you love it, I promise you. 086-1800-658. With your answer, please, and your details. More from Paddy after the break. The Phoenix Annual is out. Paddy Prendeville, its editor, is in with us on late lunch this afternoon. You know, something I was thinking about when I was uh, reading it. A year ago, if I'd said to you, Paddy, or anybody, Greta Thunberg, you'd probably have looked at me, wouldn't you, and said, what? Who on earth? Who on earth? You know, when you see a youngster like that, that is propelled into the centre of the world, it it speaks volumes for this world we live in today, the instant nature of things and news and... Yeah, I I mean, sometimes somebody touches a a centre point of a perfect storm or or, or whatever, and in, in her case... Uh, her preco- precocity, if that's the word, but it's 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 much more fundamental than that. Really, it's number one. She represents a generation, which is itself going to feel the force of climate change. Uh, and number two, that, that you know, even uh, you know, grandparents are beginning to wake up to the notion that their grandchildren are going to be in trouble and the planet is in trouble. So it kind of came together for her and she be- she became symbolic. If it wasn't her, it would have been somebody else. Uh, and it's just the way it was expressed. Plus, God love her. She's talented and articulate for her age. Uh, she certainly is. Uh, but but it's, it's really like all the personalities arrive in politics, in history, and some of them are really strong intellectual geniuses and they don't matter. Somebody else arrives along, say, in Moscow in 1917, <laughs> a mediocrity maybe, or, or not, uh, and suddenly they are kind of become a figure in the 20th century. It really depends. Timing is everything in yeah, politics. Yeah, oh, that's mm-hmm. true, and, and you're so true, be it back then or now, and she is an example of this. The church in focus is getting smaller. Is that just a, a fact of life, that, where the church sits in Irish society now? I, I tell you, I could talk about this for- <laughs> for hours. Uh, the angle we took on this, this particular year and this annual was the way in which Dermot Martin has been yes. denied a red hat. And yes. is that because of his 110% taking on uh, the, 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 the scandals of, of abuse and the cover-ups in the church? More generally speaking, I, I mean, I'm not a church goer. I'm an atheist, to be quite honest. But I'm not sure I'm very enthusiastic about what was Bertie O'Hearn called aggressive secularism, which in many ways is driven more by consumerism and European Union marketing, uh, you know, buy, buy, buy uh, stuff and materialism of, of, a, of a, a very selfish kind of nature. So, I mean, some of the value, not every value in the Catholic Church can be thrown out the window, uh, certainly if you have nothing to replace it with other than buying a second car. You know, I'm sitting here smiling, an atheist hankering for the Catholic Church. 
Are you listening? Are you listening to this in Ireland today? Let's move on because I have lots more and time's going to beat us. I love this section, Best of the Bog, which are clippings of wee stories from, I take it, the regional newspapers. They, they are. They're culled from that. And can the courts. I, can, and court. Oh yeah, court reports as well. Can I just read a little excerpt? I you love can, this from Paddy and I just wanted to read it for the listeners. It's titled A Healthy Buck with Strong Legs. A 19-year-old Egyptian national was told at Mullingar District Court that his complicity in stealing a wheelchair was a crime worthy of much more severe punishment than Irish law allows for. Judge Seamus Hughes told Mazinafra Mazin Arafa, sorry, that in his country of origin, flogging might well be meted out for such a crime and would be richly deserved. The judge described Arafa as a healthy buck with strong legs who had, had engaged in thuggery and blackguardism when he stole a wheelchair belonging to Irish Rail from a shed on the grounds of Mullingar train station. Now there's <laughs> one for you. Egyptian law. Well, yeah, that's right. in Ireland. <laughs> I, I mean, what he wanted to do with a wheelchair, uh, <laughs> well, God knows, well, you know. I don't think they could find out. The wheelchair is missing. They, I, I could read more about it. They couldn't find the wheelchair, and your man couldn't tell them what he did with it, I don't think, uh, either. I don't know if there's a, a market for second-hand wheelchairs. Well, there's stolen a ma- ones. Uh, Paddy, in this country, I'd say there's a market for everything under the sun. Sport, of course, every year. Phoenix and sport. The rugby flop. Shane Lowry's open. And win the dubs top again and setting new records. I know, sorry, you're a Kerry man, and that's <laughs> painful for you. And tip top tip in the hurling. Ah, uh, yeah, yes. Is it is it hurting? Is it really hurting you? You know, working in the metropolis and having to listen to all these dubs. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard Molly Malone sung more times in the last year than I care than the rest of my oh, life. Oh, Paddy, I was at the first game and I thought you had them in the last minute. The stadium rose, but you know, Dublin, I made a sterner stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. what can we say? Fair play to them. They've m- made history, they have, and there's always next year. The rugby was a, was a, did we, did we, we expected we were going to go out and win the blinking thing. There's, I, I'm old enough to remember every time we went out with soccer and rugby, you know, you were always expecting to get beaten and plucky Ireland and so on. The kind of success of Irish rugby in particular and to a lesser extent, but to some extent soccer, has sometimes produces the opposite, which is hubris and massive expectation. And, you know, were we really ever going to do that brilliantly in the World Cup in rugby? I'm not a rugby expert or analyst, but... You could almost see that coming. You could. Yeah. They built us up on the All Blacks. They're too cute. Not alone did they do the hacker to intimidate us, they let us <laughs> think we were going to win it. You know, they're <laughs> brilliant. They're brilliant. John Boyne quit Twitter, of course, over the book. My brother's name is Jessica. He was trolled out of it. What's new in the world today? Gerald Keane. There's a blast from the past. I see his picture in there. I wonder where Lisa Murphy is. Annie, can you fill us in on that one? No? <laughs> I don't know. I think that relationship has been on off for mm. a long long time maybe more off now yes, than on I'm, yeah. I'm not sure uh, <laughs> wouldn't like to intrude there no but there he is yesterday's man Mr Keane and never write him off though. Be he could be a reappearing RT very soon and of course the year wouldn't be the year without some very sad passing on of famous people Gabo very recently Brendan Grace and Fergal Quinn just to name three of the big Irish uh, stars who passed this year well, we kind of um, we're on the edge there with those epitaphs. I always mm. think uh, mm. we try and be humorous but not disrespectful. 
Um, it's up to you whether you want to read the Gable one out or, or whatever. But I, I, I don't think we go over the line. No. Uh, people do like them. No, they, uh, they are very much. And I think you just get it right, may I say. And, and you, you tread that line absolutely perfectly. Towards the end of the annual this year, of course, there's blocks and stocks, as I call it. Yes, the, <laughs> the, the building boom is back. People are making money left, right and centre. You like to believe the headlines. And we're trying to always make a few pound on shares. Paddy, how to make or lose a fortune? Would that sum it up? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, we, we, with a big, long profile of Dermot Desmond, yes. who uh, has not been doing well mm. at all, uh, he said, choosing his words carefully, in Datalex, and there's a sort of big, long analysis of, of the problems uh, there, most unusually for Dermot. Yes, and a man who's had, you know what I mean, unprecedented success consistently. But you know something, that's life, there's ups and downs. Should I say this with Maria Bailey in my mind, the swings and roundabouts as well. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, we... Well, I do. Can I, can I just say, we, we, it was one of our best stories of the year, because we knew as far back, we published as far back as the summer, that despite all the sentiments of sympathy uh, from Leo Varadkar and the leadership of Fine Gael, that she'd suffered enough and uh, she'd been stripped of one or two epaulettes from her uniform, that uh, that was going to be that. In fact, behind the scenes, Leo Varadkar and the Fine Gael ministers had decided they were going to do her, they were going to chop her, but the way they were going to do it was to let the members in Dunleary vote on us. Yeah. And and then they would fling their hands up and say, oh, well, if that's the way you feel, <laughs> then we will take her off the ticket. Now, we wrote that twice. We wrote it in July and we wrote it in early September. Uh, and I was amazed that nobody else picked that up. And then it happens in mid-November. Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Eh? Pontius pilot comes to mind as you speak yes. there. Anyway, we have to leave it there for today. I'll tell people again. The Phoenix magazine, it's out now. It's the annual. It's available right across the country. you love it, I promise you. And it's something that you should keep and treasure because it really does uh, bring the year into focus. It's published every two weeks. We have a couple of copies to give away. The quick question again to win a copy today on late launches. A Phoenix rises from what? What's the word I'm looking for? A Phoenix rising from what? Text the answer or WhatsApp at 086-1800-658 and we'll pick a couple before the end of the show. Paddy, see you in 12 months. I look forward to that and thanks for having me. Not at all, you're welcome. In case I forget to mention this, one of the most eagerly awaited Christmas party nights is the Joe Dolan Show happening uh, on Saturday the 14th of December in the Ashbourne House Hotel. It features the spectacular Joe Dolan Show and the special guests are Paddy Cole, oh, the brilliant Paddy, Lorraine and Frankie McDonnell and more besides... I have tickets to give away, a pair of tickets to that Joe Dolan show on the 14th of December in Ashbourne and there are three women here in the studio all looking for them but they can't have them. I'm sorry. It's for one of you out there. So, will you get in touch with us and uh, send us in... Uh, what will you send us in today? I'm just thinking about Joe Donal, Joe Dolan. What will I ask about Joe Dolan? A Joe Dolan song. Can anybody help me with a Joe Dolan song? Hold on. You're right, Caroline. Said it's... Something, it's something, it's something. I'm looking for a little word there. It's, uh, you, know the, you know the song, it's the Joe Dolan song. That word, what's that word we're looking for? It's three letters in the word. Um, 
send it in as soon as you can. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text and we'll pick somebody for the ticket shortly. Yes, they're back. It's Women With Opinions Friday on Late Lunch this afternoon and I'm delighted to welcome to the show Carmel McCarthy from EMS and Associates, the editor of Dulican District News, Caroline Cavanagh is with us and Karen Devine from White Light Consulting. Ladies, you are all welcome to the show. Great to see you all today. Thank you for joining me. Now, we have a little announcement to make before we begin. The best Christmas pudding in the Northeast competition. I mentioned it last week and I'm saying it again. It's on at the moment. It will be judged by our women with opinions on the final Friday before Christmas, okay? So we don't want your puddings just now, but if you know someone who makes puds, if you make them yourself, if you know someone who makes a lovely pud, let's be having some pudding in from you. If you can send us a whole one, a little one, a half one, a good decent slice, you know what I'm talking about. Get them into us, but we're putting you on notice. We've a massive hamper for the winner. Best Christmas pudding in the Northeast. LMFM's late lunch coming soon to be judged the Friday before Christmas. Girls, again, you're welcome to the show. It is Black Friday. So let's do a straw poll. Hands up anyone who's bought something today. No. Karen <laughs> Devine, come on, tell me, what have you done? I have, but my shopping has been green rather than black. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, anybody who knows me knows that I hate shopping. I absolutely detest shopping. I'm the worst shopper in the world. But I saw uh, Anya, Nick Henri from Network Loud, posted something on Twitter there a couple of weeks ago encouraging people to, instead of it being a Black Friday and all of the money going out of the Irish economy, to make it a Green Friday and to deliberately try and buy Irish. So this morning I was online and I bought... Stuff from beautiful um, crafts, uh, Wood Turner in Galway and from Great Northern Larder in uh, North Louth. They're gorgeous, gorgeous sauces. And I bought a beautiful Philip Galbraith lamp. And then I was downtown uh, this morning before work and I popped in to the Town Centre Pharmacy <laughs> and Stockwell Artisan. Exactly. Caroline's Caroline waving a great Cavanaugh. Northern Larder bag. I didn't bag. know what she was taking up there. I thought, Jesus, no, what's she taking up from under the desk there? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a, a bag It's Northern a bag from the Great Northern so Larder. There you and are. I saw them at a food fair yes. during the year and they are absolutely they brilliant. They are brilliant. They featured with Tara Walker on our Flavours of the Boyne Valley here on late lunch as well. So Karen has waved the green flag on this Friday. Caroline Kavanagh. Well, I've heard about the green Friday, but I was really busy. We're going to print today with um, Dalekan District and Stamullen District News uh, with the great big bumper issues. So look out for them in the shops around uh, Eastmeath. Um, so I didn't get to do anything That's except... Okay. I did go on to Wish yesterday and had a look. <laughs> Wish.com, where everything is practically a euro. But they're coming in from China or someplace, so I put yes. them in a Wish box. Okay, and, uh, and you didn't. I didn't do you it, didn't. but I'll probably shop local anyway, because, Good. you know, that's the message. Carmel? No, I haven't bought anything today. I'm a bit like Caroline. I'm up to my neck in in, in work, trying to put together a, a, a quality assurance manual. So that's all I'm thinking of. But, but next... Friday, uh, Network Louth are having their AGM and Christmas dinner. So we're, we did it because we wanted to be a, an even greener Friday because we're having our lunch and then we're going to go off shopping at Drogheda Christmas uh, Fair. OK, so yeah. you have planned this well yeah. as well. What do you think, though, in general terms? We were talking this about this with Miriam Simon earlier in the week, the whole future of retail and Black Friday. She was absolutely brilliant, I have to say. I have 
I have tinted glasses about this whole Black Friday thing in terms of, you know, grabbing a bargain. And we had listeners responding to us saying as well, you're right, because actually we've been keeping an eye on a few prices and they're actually not coming down for the Black Friday. Should we not just say it's a USA thing after Thanksgiving and leave it with them, Karen? Absolutely. I think you're right on that, Jerry. I think we're all been kind of hoodwinked into this big marketing thing of buy, 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 buy. And I don't think it's actually necessary for me as somebody who hates shopping the great joy if I have to go shopping is actually doing it locally and being part of a community and going into shops where you're known and where you know you know that spending money locally makes a difference it means that people are employed it means that people know what you like and they look after you and it's just about being part of the community. Mm-hmm. Oh, well yeah, said. Yeah, does everybody yeah. does everybody feel something? The, the well, same? yes. If you have a problem with something, an electrical good or something like that, mm. um, you can bring it back or you can ask questions. That's the main thing. You know, how do I tune in my television? You go up to Briscoe's and buy it there and they'll be able to explain it to you. If I buy it online, mm, it'll mm. come in a box and expect me to do it all. And <laughs> I tell you, it's very difficult. Oh, that's but my nightmare. My kids do shop online I have yeah, to admit hands yeah. up they're on misguided and boohoo and all these various things and they order stuff in it comes but you know if it doesn't fit they just repackage it and send it back and I think that's free so that's the way they do it they mm. don't tend to go it's down the way of the much. world mm. uh, yeah I feel that okay in fairness to the Americans they celebrate Thanksgiving they're they're being thankful for something we're not we're just going out to grab for mm. Black Friday and you know it just doesn't sit too well with me I also feel feel that, yeah, we should definitely keep it local. Now, I'm going to certainly be uh, be bringing local stuff down to the Antipodes, I hope, next mm-hmm. next month. But, you know, we, we, we've got to get away from the grabbing culture, and we are. And what a lot of this has forced, uh, forced uh, traders to do is to start uh, advertising Christmas just around Halloween time. Because they want to pull the trade back from the online shopping. Mm -hmm. But so uh, let's think about it. I mean, God knows there's enough out there for everyone. You don't have to go grabbing. But also people don't need an awful lot of stuff. You know, years ago you were buying people a kettle or, you know, uh, another photo frame. And but now you don't know. Does it go, will it suit their house? Do they mm. need another one of this, that or the other? Mm. And people are a bit, you know, precious about their yes. houses and, and don't want to accept just anything. Yeah. So I think now there's a rise in local calendars, which I think are a marvellous idea. Yeah. Boomerang bringing them out and then it's all draw of pictures. Uh, the Tree Council of Ireland locally is bringing one out, Emero Kane and company. Uh, and they're all, you know, local people featuring in it. And I think if you can get your hands on a local calendar and support either a local charity or yeah. business, well, it's great. Well, actually, Caroline, I have to confess, I did a little bit of online shopping the other day because I bought the Farside calendar. Oh yeah, yeah, that's another one. That's another one. And and it is a great one. It's a great suggestion, may I say, as well. It is. Now, talking about spending, I know we're going to go to a break shortly, but let's introduce this. Value for money, 1.6 million for a printer for the boys and girls in Leinster House. Anyone care to take up on this? Come on, Karen, do you want to give us a word on it? Come on. Oh, It just makes me want to cry, to be perfectly frank. And, you know, I mean, I think nothing is going to change after this. This money has been spent. Uh, We'll all wring our hands for a week or two. There'll be questions about who made those decisions and how was it sanctioned and how could such mistakes have been made? And yet nobody will be responsible and we'll have all forgotten about it in another two weeks. Now, I'm not in any doubt that 
there's a, a large printer needed for Leinster House and good that it's got good eco-credentials, etc, etc, etc. But it's just the incompetence and you see it from there to the National Children's Hospital to the broadband plan to all sorts of things. There just seems to be so little respect for public P-pars money. PARS comes to my mind. The voting machines many moons mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. But this is horrendous. Like, people pay their taxes, and if you're not cool with Mr. or Mrs. Revenue, you'll know very soon, no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. and like, this is... Is it not farcical? It's it's crazy. Like, the fact that the 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 building had to be... Uh, uh, bits of it had to be knocked <laughs> down and rebuilt. They bought this machine, just to remind listeners, yeah. and then they discovered it, it wouldn't, wouldn't fit, fit in the door or to where it was to go, and they had to then spend money on reconstruction but the works. the manufacturer I've flagged it to them. They yes. flagged yes. the measurements, it That's flagged correct. the working heights. All of that stuff was in the documentation. This was no surprise. Nobody, yeah. Nobody, Nobody evidently looked yeah. at it. And then you have to take into account it's going to heat up, so there has to be, you know, an area yeah. around it for ventilation. heating, ventilation. So it's absolutely crazy the room they were going to put it into. And as you say, the, the manufacturer let them know who didn't read that email, who didn't take cognizance of it. But yeah. why are we... You know, you mentioned the Children's Hospital, which is just ginormous, the money you're talking about there. If you were building an extension, I said this before, to your house at home, you'd be controlling the cost. You'd be making sure that everything was done. But because, is it because it's public money and it's not my money and it doesn't matter? And nobody is held responsible for anything. That's what annoys me. Nobody puts up their hand or nobody points a finger. You know, they just, it's all brushed under the carpet. I think, you know, this is what we have voted in. Now, what even annoys me further is the fact that it was sitting in storage in Ballyman costing two grand a month That's because right, it just... wouldn't fit in to the to the doyle. But no one could get out with a blinking inch tape now and I'm being farcical about that because God knows on your phone you can mm. get uh, you can get mm. even Measuring. a nap that will measure for yes. you. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 not rocket science. I worry when you... Well, why should I worry? So this is par for the course. This just keeps happening uh, Different governments, uh, different decades. We just keep repeating these. Why why will it never change? But, I mean, that's what's so utterly frustrating because actually at a lower level in government procurement, the actual process of buying stuff is really complicated. If you're looking for, Mm. let's say you want to get 500 brochures printed for a state or a semi-state event, Mm. you'll have to go and you'll have to get your three quotes and then if you want to go for the one that isn't the least expensive, you have to justify the reasons for that. So a spend of something in the region of 300 euros, 400 euros, 500 euros can actually require quite a considerable amount of research quotations and governance and something that's on a massive scale has Has no oversight. And in this in this instance, only one company tendered for the project, you know, Oh, and, and and then I think about, you know, uh, the abuse of the printing in the doll in recent history for, you know, politicians sending out their Christmas cards, their flyers, etc. I'm sure they were all rubbing their hands thinking... Or oh, using printer ink for yes, other purposes. look what's yes, coming to send. That. And do they not realise about this environmental crisis and that we should be pulling back from this type of stuff? Oh, give me a break. My blood pressure's through the roof. Let's take a break. The girls are with us. You can <laughs> join in the conversation. Oh, wait. 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text.
text. You can call in on 1850-715-958. Fasten your seatbelt. Stay with us and Women With Opinions. Anybody in Dublin during the week gets stuck with the um, the tractors and the farmers in there by chance? No, anybody? No, no, nope, nobody no. was up in the city. Anyway, you know the story. They arrived in wildcat fashion and they parked their tractors and everybody's going belubas. Carmen, what do you think? Absolutely wrong or have they a case or a point? Well, the thing is, this has probably been done out of pure frustration that they haven't been heard. Now, it, it costs a farmer a lot to take a machine and drive it up to Dublin and plant himself there for a couple of hours. You know, it, it's it's not it hasn't been done, you know, kind of just deciding, not sure, it might be a good idea, lads, because they were there in their droves. Um, when are they going to be listened to? I don't know. I personally wouldn't like to be farming today. I think it's extremely difficult and with what is, could be coming down the tracks with Brexit, the uncertainty of Brexit. Like, I can still remember the farmers and the farmers' wives back in, I think it's the late 60s, and they up outside the doll as well. Because I remember my dad, Lord rest him, his, his office uh, was right across from them. And he was saying, you know, they were there, they were having the flask and sandwiches outside. So when you think about it, nothing much has changed. But in people that would say time. in that time we joined the EU since the time you were talking about, yeah. and subsidies have been huge to Irish farming and I was having a chat with friends of mine the other night and I got heated about them saying oh listen they're subsidised to the hilt they don't know how good they have it the, yeah, subsidies all right. But having said that, you know, there be uh, the price that they're getting for things is just crazy. They, they're, you know, the the margins are way down yeah. because, as I say, what's happening is the supermarkets are forcing this. You know, it's the vicious circle in this. But the government is doing very little to support it. Let me tell you, by the way, in that conversation the other evening, in case they're going to get a my back. I'm playing devil's advocate here. I stood up for you. I did because I do yeah. understand the reality on the ground and how difficult it actually is. The one thing, I, other thing I want to say is that the injunctions are being lifted on foot of this against the two farmers from Longford yeah. and Good. that will facilitate the starting of this beef group that yeah. are coming together yeah. to get into talks yeah. and hopefully that will yield something. I think the farmers are at their wits end yeah. as Carmel was just saying that it takes a lot for you to do something like that to leave your actual work to pay for the diesel to go up to Dublin and to sit there without working you're losing money hand over fist I think the farmers were forced into it this is the farming answer to suicide bombers it's um, the thing of last resort it's an action of last resort there's nothing else they can do to bring attention to it and that's the only way farmers have had really to um, take action because if they strike they strike nobody knows you know it's not mm. going to grind to a halt they must go up and they must show it in the capital because as we all know nothing happens unless it happens in Dublin Do you, do you know like I saw a poll the other evening this is the interesting thing and between 60 and 70% of people actually supported the farmers you might think now that and there's a lot of people annoyed and I know when you're disrupted and even hospital appointments and things to do it's shocking and you're stuck getting home from work or getting to work but can I say this to you Karen or or suggest this that you you know the French the French farmers the transport people the uh, air traffic controllers you name it they you know when something happens they they're the out and they grind have we become I said this before too soft in this country you know in a way 
isn't it the way to to express your feelings? Yeah, I mean, I do think that we have become passive. There's an awful lot of things that have happened over the last, particularly during the 10 years of the recession that, you know, we've taken on the chin. Um, And I think the farmers protest is just such a sign of the disconnect between the people who make policy around food and farming and the people who are actually doing the work on the ground. And you know what, it's easy to throw out the word subsidies and say that, you know, big farmers are, you know, raking in money from Europe. But the majority of farmers are not big farmers. They're small holdings. They're working off farm to supplement their income. You know, and I think if we we are famed worldwide as this green country with beautiful food produce, but we've got to start valuing that. When you think that food was about 40% of the household budget back in the 70s and now it's about 10%, it tells us, yes, our household incomes have increased, but it also tells us that we are spending much less money on food and that's you know, I mean, we're driving de- we're driving down the value of food by buying cheap food. Yeah, the food price of food has come down, and we're spending less of our income on it. That's very true. But farmers are producing below cost. They're selling below cost. Yeah. The price of rearing an animal for slaughter is a lot less than what they're getting at mm. pound for pound. And we have to think back to the Martin market days of two pound um, a pound over the pound a kilo. Yeah. And that, but if you think back, to ask a lot of people over fifty how often they had roast chicken to eat. It was a big deal on a Sunday if you had a roast chicken because it was expensive. It was properly reared. It was expensive. And now, sure, chickens are three and four euros downtown. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. I I think we also forget the fact that farmers are the custodians of rural and country life. Do you know what I mean? Like if you think about if we don't have farming communities, then rural areas are, there's no population there. And we need those rural communities. And we also need farmers in terms of our ecosystem, our, our, our biodiversity. Let's bring in some of our listeners who are commenting and keep them coming to us. We love to hear from you on the show. 086-1800-658. Text or WhatsApp us now or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. Listen to this, ladies. Uh, Jerry, Laurel and Hardy would do a better job of putting that printer <laughs> into the into the houses of the Oireachtas. Um, it's not their money, as the lady said, Jerry. And my blood is bloody boiling here. That comes in from another Jerry. Hi, Jerry, says Rose. Who first of all measured that space? Somebody has to be responsible. If you or I made a mistake in measurement... You or I would be responsible, says Rose. If you sent primary school children in to measure it, they'd get it right. Shame on them, says Rose. Mm. Another listener on to us here uh, about the uh, farmers and the protest. They're absolutely dead right to protest, Jerry. Sooner or later, we all need to get together and block Dublin with our cars over insurance and road tax and many other matters. It is the only way the government listens, says Barry and Navin. And I'm sure that expresses the views of a lot of people. Well, yesterday I was listening to a different radio station and again Shame on you. uh, For a little while. (laughs) And they were dealing with the, the play schools and the, the childcare that's going on at the moment. And like you said, Karen, earlier, that there's a disconnect between policy and the people working at the coalface. You know, there's the farmers and there's policies going on and yet it's not working for them. There's Tusla bringing out different childcare policies and giving people like a week or two weeks to suddenly put everything in place. It's not working. And funny enough, following the, the radio programme and the power of the media and uh, the radio, um, 
Tusla issued um, um, a, a delay, delay a delay notice. Now, yes, so I think only we for only for two parts of it. That's part yeah. of the challenge because all of the other paperwork still has to be in for the 12th of December. They've just given an extension mm. on the fire certification and the planning apl- the planning no- um, planning permission certification. So, I mean, even at that, all of the childcare facilities are all going to be scrambling in the next two weeks to try and assemble all that And paperwork. I heard one lady saying that they, Tusla has said they won't be replying until the 23rd of December. And these are childcare facilities that should be taking people in again on the 2nd of January. January. It Mm -hmm. just beggars belief. It really does. But anyway, uh, it it, it worked. It focused minds. This week it certainly did. It brought it into attention. And the race to the bottom in food. Nikki Kyle, our Queen of Green Organic Gardening Guru, who I uh, love and adore and spend a lot of time with, has been for years here banging the drum to say this race to the bottom is a disaster for all of us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it really is coming into focus now. the last thing I want to say on this is, remember, agriculture and all the offspin from agriculture in our economy is a backbone. Because remember this, if multinationals and corporate tax comes into focus again on a world-wide basis and we lose out there, what would we be left with? I'll leave you with that thought. And I also want to say that we should value our, our agriculture. And I do take issue with the Go Vegan World posters that are all around the the country now urging us not to take babies from their mothers etc we are an agricultural based economy mm. and country we need to eat our own beef drink our own milk and not be you know drinking soy yes, milk I, 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 and milk and i understand we saying. do need to and, eat uh, local I, I, eat local i understand and, and, and i will say just in, in, in fairness there are people caroline like the govig and i know a, a lot of them as well they are people who are genuine in their beliefs of what you know what i'm saying i'm and, a vegetarian yes. but i'll still say irish agriculture is the best okay, produce okay. you'll get in the world i hear what you're saying i hear what you're saying Break on late lunch, back in a few moments. What about the gates to go up on the Disney store in Grafton Street? The new speeding fines, how will you be fixed uh, with this coming in? This and more coming in a few moments with our Women With Opinions. Karen Devine, Carmel McCarthy and Caroline Kavanagh are our Women With Opinions this Friday afternoon. Let's talk about the new speeding fines regime. And I know you have them there, Karen. Karen, so would you just briefly run us through the, the new proposals? So at the moment, if you're caught speeding, you get an €80 euro fine and three penalty points. And that's the standard, whether you're doing five kilometres an hour over or 50 kilometres an hour over. So Minister Ross, in his wisdom, has... Uh, uh, Who doesn't drive, I believe. Yes. <laughs> Who has brought through Cabinet a new regime. So if you do between zero and 10 kilometres an hour over the limit, you get a €60 euro fine and two penalty points. Points between so that's reduced. Yeah, between ten and twenty, you get eighty euros and three points. That's same at the yeah. moment. Between twenty and thirty, you get a hundred euro fine and four penalty points. So those are standard punishments yeah. for for going over. But if you're doing thirty kilometres an hour over the limit, it's an automatic two thousand euro fine and prosecution. You are sitting facing a criminal this afternoon, girls. Let me tell you we because all of us knew that, <laughs> <laughs> a few months back, going in, into Sligo, an area of Sligo, I was on the motorway doing a hundred and twenty. Right, this is a. And my mind, I know radio on nothing. My thoughts are with myself, but they were obviously too deep. And I left Caroline the 120 and suddenly I'm in an 80. And I didn't slow. And I was, got the gun and I was... The speed gun. Yeah, the speed but gun. But you probably didn't <laughs> even I, notice. I actually didn't notice. But it's my fault. Listen, I, I, I was wrong. My fault, right? 
But I would be subject to the maximum there, 2,000, mm-hmm. and I would have a conviction. Yeah. I really would. Mm-hmm. Now, Is that conviction going to stop you getting into America? And other countries. Well, that's an interesting question. I I, I would think that's Mm. extremely strict and harsh on people. You know, could you never go to America then once that happened to you? I do think there's actually merit in what the Minister has proposed, but I think it needs to be part of a greater package of reform around Mm. speed, around uh, the actual speed limits in areas, graduated speed. So I think, Jerry, in that situation where something was 120, it shouldn't drop immediately to 80. Mm. It should be graduated at two kilometres mm. out, 120 down to 100, and then 100 down to 80. I think there's huge anomalies in this country. You know, I mean, on a, on a backcountry road, you can do 80 kilometres an hour. People can overtake you at ridiculous ridiculous speeds and there's no enforcement there and yet if you get caught doing 60 in a 50 coming into a town you'll be denoting you'll be punished for it Mm. so um and i think in terms of the motorway we need to see greater cooperation between the police in the north and the Gardaí in the south because i think there's real extremes of northern drivers doing huge speeds on our motorways and I think it's time for the government to bite the bullet and do a proper investment in average speed cameras. So okay. those the, average speed mm, cameras would actually yeah. monitor the, mm. the real speed that you're doing. Getting the quest, from destinations. The question is with with this money that they may receive are they going mm. to invest it back into you know better monitoring better better road conditions as well. Where is it going to go? Because to me, all I see is a big fat purse filling up and nothing nothing coming out of it mm. that will be of benefit to us. I mean, yes, there are people that should be caught and they should be hung, drawn and quartered. I mean, I think with the the penalty on conviction for um, someone doing over the 30, they could end up do, getting uh, up to seven penalty points and on conviction, as I say, three or, of three or more offences within 12 months face three months in prison. Mm. But are they going to to get the right people is the whole thing because we still we're on the motorway you might be in the overtaking lane and suddenly you've barely entered it and there's someone up your backside and they sit on it you know yeah. and you know, <laughs> I wouldn't sit yeah. in your backside camera yeah. <laughs> just to, because uh, we know you would sort them out that's for sure well I wouldn't be in a hurry to pull in <laughs> well, the other I have lane. a suggestion that I saw in America that Around schools, when children are coming and going in and out of school, the uh, speed limit goes down to 20 miles an hour. And also you cannot overtake the school buses as they're dropping children off in case somebody pops out from, you know, behind I the like bus that. and knock yeah. it. So, And the cops will be there. You can oh, see the cops. Enforce. They're always yeah. around yes. the schools when the schools are coming and going. So, you know, this, that's a very, very good idea. But there's no point in having a 20 mile an hour or 20 km an hour a, a limit around a school here when it's closed. So I do think we have to look at it, as Karen was saying, maybe do a total overhaul of um, and put in times when so, you so need just, it. Oh, just and clarify so, this for me now. You're saying that in America around schools, you have that low speed limit, which is absolutely essential. At basically and nine and four. Yeah. yeah, when they're moving. Mm. And, and then that changes. It changes back to a regular, no 50 miles an hour when you're going down the road. But when children are there, it must be 20 miles an hour mm. or 10 miles an hour in some places. That's I think very, it's an excellent very, idea. And an excellent idea. And you know, I want to say in the whole context of this, again, I say in my case, I was totally wrong. Hands up. 
the idea is to save lives. There are too many people still losing their lives. And I know where Ross is coming from and where he's trying to go with this and people will criticise him. But at the end of the day, the biggest killer on our roads is what? Speed. Absolutely. You know, the, you know that is a fact. It is, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I will say out loud that uh, once upon a time, I had three penalty points as well. Like The guards pulled me over, the siren went on, the lights went on. I will never forget that mm. feeling. And it changed my driving behaviour. Mm. So, I mean, there's certainly that element of enforcement is actually important, but it needs to be consistent. Yes. It needs to be across the board. It needs to be fair and stupid things like, you know, if you have a driving offence and you don't your driver's license to court when you have to make your appearance well then they can't put the points on your license and therefore you know so when you listen to the court reports and you hear these kind of things where people get away with driving offences because of loopholes in the law Mm. those things those should be priority for Shane Ross Mm. in terms of closing those out and making speeding it's like you know, I mean, if you think about it now, smoking is quite antisocial now. By the changes in legislation, we've changed behaviour. And that's what he mm. should be aiming mm-hmm. to do. So this is part of it, but it's not the full package. Mm. Just going back to some of the listeners' comments today, John's been on to say, whoever measured for that printer must have been the same crowd who measured up for the children's hospital. <laughs> I, 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 can, I can understand where you're coming there. Philip Heary's been on. He was in the protest with the farmers. Thanks for been in touch with Philip. We'll be back in touch with you. I promise you. Um, John Cairns from North Loud has been listening about all the different protests. He wants to know where do people think the money is going to come from? Last year, seven twenty million was paid out. There's another 80 million going to be paid out, another 40 million. Is it the Irish taxpayer? Yes, it is the Irish taxpayer and it's government I'd borrowings. Rather, I'd rather see it paid out to farmers who produce our food and sustain our yes. rural communities than paid out on stupid printers yeah. and yeah. wasting taxpayers' money. Yeah. Rick's been on to say, just tuned in, Jerry. Read the government printer. If a politician's head fits through the door, surely anything will. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Rick. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Be giving out yards, you know, them politicians. They think they're the bee's knees. They're never wrong. They know everything. You know yourself. You can't criticise them. You can't say a thing about them. They're beyond reproach. That's okay, Mikey, but the politicians, the politicians <laughs> had nothing to do whatsoever with the purchase of this machine. And the Taoiseach was very clear to state that. He said it wasn't a function yes. of the elected representatives, yeah. it was a function of the houses of the Oireachtas. So it was the civil servants who messed up there. Yes, mm. yes. Uh, look, uh, look, at that, and, and that's good. Uh, that's very important to point out that. But, you know... We can blame them for everything else. Well, yes, it's not the we, printer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you mean the politicians yeah. won't make any use of it? Uh, <laughs> Christmas cards might oh, be yeah. too many. Yeah. Goals Christmas cards? There was a suggestion that 50% of people don't want a Christmas present. Jerry, I was not one of those people. Oh, you know talk. this. Yeah, we, yeah, I, we were yeah, going to talk yeah. about this, where yeah. a lot of women have said to their partners, husbands, etc. Listen, you know what? Don't buy me anything this year. I'm all right, and I'll do likewise. We won't exchange gifts. Is that your house, Carmel? Not at all. Not no. yours, Caroline. Never. It Karen. is in ours because. Oh! Go on. I'd much prefer we do something together. Well, so actually, <laughs> ours is always a trade-off. We might do a weekend away together or do but something like we do. buy something for each yeah. other but not it's just a different a type of way exactly. of doing yeah. things yeah. oh look at our I have to say I know times can be tough for people but look a gesture from one to the other and vice versa even if it is only that it still is so important and we can be too practical and look push out the boat and, a little and I think yeah. that parents have got to stop and say it's all it's always about the children and what 
they need and what they want. And that's why an awful lot of parents are probably saying, well, listen, we won't get anything for yes, each other. Making that sacrifice. And making the sacrifice. And the children probably get more than enough, maybe too much. So I think something small. It's well, I think as Karen said, doing something together is great. And I think we need to focus on experiences because we know you know, don't be so um, into material things. But if we focus on experiences, bringing your children somewhere, going to the zoo, maybe purchasing a family ticket, uh, you know, pass for the zoo or for Tato Park or someplace round, you know, that we can mm. all go to together as a family. Yeah. And then you have many, many days the out for the Christmas and the, and the memories. memories are I, right. I think there's one other thing about that. And I think women are maybe in who answered this survey didn't want to say, my husband's brutal at buying presents, you know, like there's, I have to say, my husband is great. Peter definitely gets a big thumbs up on any gift he ever buys. But I do know friends who get gifts and you're kind of like, oh, no, does he know me at all? Can you know? I can because I add to that? No socks or underpants, please, please, oh, please. She needs them. You, you see, men will be wearing socks and underpants all the time. But, and women be buying very practical ones. But the thing is, the men don't buy socks and underpants for women. They buy sexy lingerie. <laughs> from Ann Summers or someplace like that and they don't fit most people. <laughs> Modelled by more Higgins. Let's take a break on late lunch. Final part, Women With Opinions coming up shortly. Nigel McKenna, good afternoon to you. Nigel's been in touch uh, from the United States. He's listening in. Isn't it great to feel that? You know what I mean? You have listeners on the other side of the world. Nigel, uh, great. Thanks for the comment. Nigel was just listening to us talking about the, the new speeding fines regime and, you know, northern drivers, southern drivers and it works both ways. Southern drivers go up north and speed and they come here um, Jerry, I drive from New York City into Montreal in Canada all the time and if I get stopped for speeding in Canada, the points in Canada will be posted onto my New York licence the New York licence and vice versa and if you're doing 60 miles per hour over the limit that is 11 points and they can take the car off you there and then. Wow. Listen to that. Nigel, thank you so much. Now, often with, sorry, with drink driving, I know in America as well, that they will challenge you. Do you want to blow in the bag or would you like to hand over your keys? Mm. So what you're asked to do then is to just park your car safely at the side of the road and pick up your keys in the barracks the next day. So I think that's fairly good. Yes. Good uh, back, to the, back to the farmers. Uh, Derek's been on to say, Jerry, farmers should be treated as any other business. You can either cut it or you can't. I'm self-employed and struggle, but I don't get any subsidies. And I can understand uh, uh, that perspective as well. Thank you so much, uh, Derek, for getting in touch with us today. 86 658 by text or WhatsApp. L- let me just move on um, for a moment. The Disney store in Grafton Street in Dublin, you've heard this story, want to put up, have applied for planning permission to put a barrier at the front of their premises because they have a hallway in and each morning they arrive, there are people sheltering there overnight. What's your feeling? Like it, it, This is a tetchy subject now. You know, homelessness and people with nowhere to go. Imagine having to sleep there yourself. The business in the it's mornings. It's very difficult, you know, thinking about the homeless people and there are a lot of them and they're occupying a lot of different gateways and doorways. There are a certain number of places they could stay, but maybe, you know, these can't get any. But from a business point of view, it is absolutely terrible to come along in the mornings and have to clean up, you know, the people have their own cardboards and things to sleep on. They take away their bits and pieces. But there are other, you know, bodily functions left behind. And, you know, that's also a safe safety hazard, health and safety. Mm. The Disney store attracts a lot of children, some of whom may be crawling 
you know, and falling. So mm. I wouldn't like to think of bringing my child or grandchild or niece or nephew there and maybe putting their hand in somebody's so you can understand. So you can understand yeah. why? I, I would understand completely. And, you know, the thing is, you have, you have to be so conscious where you have children going in and particularly with infection, we don't mm. know what infection is around. And also, who's cleaning it up? It's staff. Mm. And the Disney store and Disney have a duty of care to the staff to provide mm. a safe place of work. And, you know, so th- the picture is much bigger. So we can't be, you know, bashing Disney overs. I do feel where Disney are being used as a scapegoat here because the real issue is a government issue. You are so right. Austin Campbell with us on the show during the week. What a great guy he is. uh, uh, Honoured nationally recently and he said those very words. He said on the ground, on the coalface in Dublin it still points back to our government and there isn't not enough being done. Karen Disney, what's your feelings? And that's, I, I echo Carmel's sentence there. It's not... Disney's response, it could be any business with a doorway in Grafton Street or in, in the city centre. Um, and it, to be fair, for any staff, no staff member should have to come along in the morning and fundamentally evict somebody out of that doorway. But this is about a much bigger picture. It's about a failure by government to really deal with homelessness. And there, it has ever been thus that people have fallen through the cracks in society and have lived a homeless lifestyle but we're now in a situation where we're seeing families homeless mm. and there should have been a greater effort and there needs to be greater effort by, by by government to keep families in their homes. This does not serve Irish society, Irish families, Irish people well in the long term to see babies being born into homelessness, children growing up in one room hotels, taking two buses across the city mm. every day to try and just get to school. This is this is not the path that it's not it's not a society response it's a you know it's a a huge failure no you're so right just before we finish we'll throw in one more uh, uh, from the agenda today just uh, on a maybe a lighter note from our perspective here in Ireland I'm sure it's serious in the UK is the monarchy in jeopardy after Andy's Pandy's tales to uh, Emily Maitlis on the BBC. Yeah, oh, I mean, wasn't he a total plonker? Mm. I mean, that's the only way I can describe him. Like, he obviously went on to the, that show and thought he would come up smelling roses because he was ill-prepared. Who were the PR people who allowed him on at number one and who prepared him number two? They, they resigned, resigned before, yes. he, before he, did. he did the interview, oh, two weeks before, they? because yeah. they said, they said no. no. I think he got the thumbs up from within the family circle, he thought, it he, looks he like. He was great. Yeah, but but here's the thing, the, 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 the Crown is back on Netflix, yeah. uh, the third series yeah. at yeah. the moment, so it's all sort of timely. But it's it's rumoured in, in the press the last couple of days that the Queen is actually deciding in uh, over the next 18 months to step back and Charles, uh, Charles. may <coughs> get the opportunity mm-hmm. at last. But do you think, you know, you remember what happened with Diana and all around that and the negativity and they were in trouble, they've recovered. Is this really a blow to the monarchy, you think? Well, I think if you you look at it in two different ways. So the Andrew interview was a five minute wonder in the sense that we were all appalled. But again, we've kind of forgotten about it. And he'll retire quietly into private life. He'll still get paid the same amount of money. He won't have the same amount of duties to do. I think as long as the Queen is alive, there won't be any great move on the monarchy that people have a certain level of respect for the Mm. duty and the service that she has given to uh, to the United Kingdom over 
her lifetime and I mean she has lived a life of duty all the way through the Second World mm-hmm. War and that but I think you also have to remember that the monarchy are very very valuable to Britain they, mm. they're subsidised to the tune of about a hundred million a year, but it's estimated and that they, they bring, are giving it about the farmers. And it's estimated that they bring in about one point eight billion into the British economy yeah. every year. So that's a tenfold factor, you yes, know. So yes. the monarchy, yeah. Caroline, any interest have you? You know, to Irish people, Absolutely. it's Marmite. Lots of people have followed them closely in Ireland. Others wouldn't even switch yeah, on. Well, the I telly. thought when Andrew married Fergie that they were bringing a little bit of life into the, what was a very dull arrangement there beforehand, and I thought great fun. But now he. As Carmel says, he comes across as a total plonker, somebody very elite who just thinks he he lives in a gilded cage. And, uh, you know, I was down in um, Pizza Express, not someplace I (laughs) regularly go. (laughs) What is he at? It's just so out of touch. Uh, I wonder what type of pizza did he have. He did say that his behaviour was unbecoming of a member of the royal family. The behaviour was unbecoming of a member of any family, Mm, you know. So, you know, he, 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 He's just lost touch with reality. He did. And listen, we have to get with reality. Look at the clock. News and sport is coming up. It's been great. It's been a wonderful hour. You've been fantastic. I want to say thank you again to Karen Devine from White Light Consulting, Cameron McCarthy, EMS and Associates, and Caroline Kavanagh, editor of Delique, and to Mullen and District News. Thank you for joining me, girls. Thank you, Jerry. Time for sport on late lunch and our focus this afternoon is the Premier League and joining me as always is the communications manager from Boyle Sports, Leon Blanche. Good afternoon, Leon. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm just here in uh, Newbury and we're just welcoming in Paisley Park who has just won the Stairs Hurdle Race. So if you get a little bit of extra noise, you know where I am. Ah, fantastic. He's now a six to four chance to win the Stairs Hurdle and defend his crown at the Cheltenham Festival in 2020. Fantastic. Well, there you are. You're giving us thoughts of spring already <laughs> at the end of November. The the horsey people are, are certainly uh, invigorated this afternoon. Well, lucky you, Leon, today. Enjoy. Anyway, let's talk about the Premier League and begin with the leaders. Liverpool, they're at home to Brighton. Three points nailed on despite the injury to one of their key men. Yeah, look, it should be, Jerry. You know, look, they're a very short price. I think they're something like one to five to beat Brighton. Um, they were very lacklustre against Napoli. Fabinho, as you rightly pointed out, he's been a key to Liverpool's success. He's that holding midfielder. He'll be missing, but you would expect them to be able to see off Brighton at home. However, I just think a lot of teams will have watched, especially the second half and how Napoli just sat in against Liverpool and said to them, come and break us down. Liverpool obviously got the goal from Dejan Lovren from a corner kick, but they didn't really create too many clear-cut chances. However, Brighton are not as good as Napoli with all due respect. And I think Liverpool should come away with another victory at home at Anfield. Now, I know they're being pushed by City. They're looked at as the main rivals to Liverpool, you know, to give them a run for the title. But seriously, Leicester City and Brendan Rodgers have to be right in there in the mix at this stage. They're at home to Everton. And here we have another manager, Silva, teetering on the brink. Absolutely. Um, I think everyone was thinking, would it be Unai Emery or would it be Marco Silva to go first? Arsenal have obviously decided to part ways. And I think Silva, to be fair, is on borrowed time. What an unbelievable job Brendan Rodgers is doing at Leicester City. People have said Arsenal should go get him. But why would he leave Leicester? They're in second position in the table. 
their owner has got plenty of money and I think Leicester will certainly finish at least in the top four and I think it's another three points for them at home they're so good Jerry, on the counter-attack there's a reason why they're odds on against Everton it's because the way they're playing at the minute they're creating chances for fun you look at the likes of Jamie Vardy he's in his 30s he's retired from England I think that's going to prolong his career but it's the way Rodgers has them set up he plays with the two holding midfielders and they don't even mind sitting back at home to hit you on the counter-attack and if you were a Leicester City fan you would be well and truly pleased with the job that Brendan Rodgers is doing so for me it's another home win even at odds on Before we finish let's drop right down the table Norwich City great win last week at Everton against Arsenal and I'm serious Arsenal dropping right down the table Emery gone this morning no surprise looks like it was a chop suddenly because they have nobody they obviously have nobody lined up at the moment Freddie Lundberg uh, taking temporary charge and I think as a gunner and all Arsenal fans we hope that'll be very temporary Um, but Norwich Arsenal what, what have the odds changed with this news today? Not really. Look, I think, if anything, I think the Arsenal fans and even the Arsenal players, it'll be like a little bit of a breath of fresh air because obviously he'd lost the dressing room. I think the problem started, Jerry. to be fair, when you let your players pick your captain. I don't think any manager has ever done that before. At least we haven't heard about it. But I just think now Lundberg is coming in. It will be temporary. But the problem is their back four has never been fixed. Even under Arsene Wenger in his kind of latter years, Arsenal were a soft touch. They conceded goals. Norwich, they got a much-needed win last week, as you rightly said, away against Everton. And you know what? They'll go and have a, they'll have a go against the Gunners. The Gunners are fragile at the moment, but we've seen it before. When a manager leaves, whatever it does, players seem to just get a new lease of life. And I think looking at it, you would say Arsenal will be happy with a draw. And I, and I say that in all sincerity, before you'd say Arsenal against Norwich, that should be a banker for the Gunners. Not anymore. Norwich are going to go, they're going to play football, they will attack, and that's the way to beat Arsenal. So for me, I'm going to sit on the fence here, I'm going to go for a score draw. I think there'll be plenty of goals, because both teams can't keep a clean sheet. So for me, it's a score draw. Leon, off you go and enjoy your racing. We'll talk to you next Friday. All the best, Jerry. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Liam Branch, uh, communications manager with Boyle Sports. I have to put my cards on the table. You know I'm a Gunners fan. I have been since I was a nipper. And I thought Emery was the right man to take over from Wenger because Wenger had gone stale completely. They haven't anybody lined up and there's talk of this body and that body at the moment. But you know something with Arsenal? Here's the real story. The club, fundamentally, is on the wrong road. There's a huge problem within that club and the Cronkies own the club they're absentee landlords from the states and you know something fundamentally that has to be questioned and the people they've engaged behind the scenes at the club ever since David Dean left who was a a huge man at Arsenal they've struggled and they will continue to struggle and the supporters clubs have said today you can change the manager but there are big big changes needed behind the scenes and I think that's the message coming out loud and clear today watch this space I fancy Norwich anyway we'll see what happens late lunch LMFM radio the final break of the week we'll tell you who's won the prizes after this and we'll have a little lesson in history because uh, two men Patrick Tierney and Sean O'Carroll were shot by the black and tans back in November 1920 and next up on the show Dr Kevin McKenney is joining us 
us. Yes, it's you, it's you, it's you, Peter McGurk from Drogheda. You're going along to the uh, Joe Dolan Christmas party night in the Ashbourne House Hotel on the 14th of December. Congratulations to you. And we have copies of the Phoenix Annual uh, Phoenix Rises from the Ashes. Ashes I was looking for, for Harry Smith and Margaret Burns. Well done to both of you. Now, a little history lesson before we uh, finish up on late lunch this week. Joining me on the line is Dr. Kevin McKenney. Good afternoon, Kevin. Good afternoon, sir. Thanks for taking our call. Patrick Tierney and Sean O'Carroll, we're going back to November, the end of November 1920. Tell our listeners, what happened? On the 30th of November, late at night, early in the morning of the 1st of December, British Crown forces knocked at the door of Patrick Tierney's house. They took Patrick and his brother Martin out and afterwards let Martin go back into the house because Martin was only less than 16. They then took Patrick up the road a little bit and shot him dead. The same, at the same time, another group of men went into Sean O'Carroll's lodgings. Sean O'Carroll was lodging in Julia Lynch's house in the main street. They took Sean O'Carroll down railway street and they shot him a number of times. Uh, it took Sean about five or six hours to die and by all accounts he died very painful death. The murder, and you'd have to say it was cold-blooded murder and the times were fractious times. This was all tied in with the, the conflict, the civil war? No, it's before the Civil War. This would be the War of Independence. Right. The uh, reason the men came to Ardy that night was because both Patrick and Sean O'Carroll were active members of the Ardy IRA. They took part in things like looking for arms, raiding tax offices, and at one stage they were also going to attack the RIC station in Ardy. But they were, their names were given to the RIC and the attack was called off. And they were just then taken out and killed at, at no opportunity to be taken to court or to defend themselves in any way. Is that the way it operated at the time? That's the way it operated at the time. And later on that day, on the 1st of December in the afternoon, they actually held a military court of inquiry in Ardy Courthouse to look into the events. Now, a number of witnesses were called. The first one was Dr. Patrick Joseph Steen. He was first on the scene when... Uh, Sean O'Carroll, who was still alive, and he deposed that he was shot a number of times, that he was taken back to Dr. Steen's house, where he died in great agony later. He also said he went to see the body of Patrick Tierney, which was in his father's house at the time, and he said, on removing the bandages from his head, I found practically the whole of the left half of his cranium blown away, and the brain removed, and numerous fractures in the remains of his skull. That was the kind of how Patrick died. Patrick's father then deposed that he went out. You know, he was told not to leave the house when the, black and the people were leaving. He was told not to leave the house. So he went out about two hours later, found Patrick dead. And he described that his skull, his brains were all over the place. And he had to get a biscuit tin and a, a soup ladle to put the brains back into the biscuit tin so that they could be buried with him. Oh, my God, when you just even think of, try to contemplate that. And, you know, in recent times, of course, in the conflict, the recent conflict... Shoot to kill was a major issue, and here you had shoot to kill back then in the War of, of Independence, and obviously no one ever held to count to count for it. Nobody was held to account for it because that that court there was another witness, Julia Lynch, who was Sean O'Carroll's lover at the time, and that Sean O'Carroll was also lodging in her house. She also deposed how the men came into the house. He she said the way they were dressed, and that they took Sean out and killed them. But then the final witness. Well, that was at the court was a guy called Detective Inspector Meredith Egan. He was a member of the Royal Irish Constabulary. 
Now, he said he came to Ardy on that night with 20 men from Gormanstown camp. And he said that the officers, all the people, officers, men in his party, stayed down at the bottom of Irish Street, which was the local RIC station at the time. And he said no incident of any sort took place up to the time I left, except that one man, James Murphy, was arrested. Total lies. Total lies. And on the basis of that, the court concluded that both Patrick Carroll and John O'Carroll were shot between 0200 hours and 0430 hours on the 30th of November and that they were killed by person or persons unknown. So 99 years it is at this stage. Next year will be the centenary. Anything happening tomorrow? Uh, Sunday. Sunday. After 12 o'clock mass, as there has been since the mid-1950s when the memorial was erected, people will be gathering to honour the dead. And of course, Tierney Street and O'Carroll Street, now names that live forever in the town of RD. Kevin, I have to leave it there. Very interesting. We'll talk again, I promise you, at more length. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking our call. Dr. Kevin McKenney there. Sunday RD noon, if you'd like to go along and remember those wonderful young men. That's it on Late Lunch for another week. Thanks so much to our guests who joined us every day, to the wonderful Louise Walsh, who puts this together with me every single day. There'll be no Late Lunch without her, I can tell you, folks. And to your listeners who tune in every day, thanks so much for your company. We leave you in the company of Creedence Clearwater Revival. Nice one going into the weekend. Late Lunch, Monday, 1.30. Do join us.
the late lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Dacia sales event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Call in to see how shockingly affordable a new Dacia is in the new year. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.